current events. Cutting edge. Faith. It's, it's awesome. Encouragement on the go. <laughs> it's the SOS Radio Podcast. We're about to celebrate Easter with like 2.5 billion Christians all around the world. And we're actually talking with Judd Wilhite today. You might be familiar with some of his books like Pursued and Uncaged and God of Yes. He's the lead pastor at Central Church. How are you, Judd? Hey, I'm doing great, Scott. Thank you so much for having me. It's crazy. Palm Sunday. It's the week before Easter. And you think about like Jesus riding into Jerusalem on this colt of a donkey. And a lot of times we think about this as like a childhood story. It's like, oh, that's so cool that people are starting to recognize that he's a Messiah. This was such a deeper story than that, huh? Oh, amazing. Yes. You know, historically, there's a lot of indication that you had Jesus riding in one direction into the city of Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday. You had Herod and the Roman forces riding in the other direction, you know, that Palm Sunday. And you sort of had these two opposing groups coming in, right, that would meet later on in the week. One as a servant who actually had all the power and influence, Jesus, and one as, you know, this powerful sort of individual who could leverage his power to do all kinds of things that weren't necessarily good for (laughs) him or others. So you had these two competing views of the world, really, coming in on that Sunday. You know, this is the week of preparation where we start to prepare our heart as we head towards Easter. You know, and it's wild because you think about Jesus riding in. People are like ripping down palm branches and cutting them off the trees and they're putting them down in the road as he's walking through and they're shouting Hosanna in the highest. And, you know, like recognizing like is this this savior that we've been waiting for that was foretold in the Jewish scriptures and they're getting it, at least we think. But then later in the week, it's the same street. It's a lot of the same people coming out of their businesses and out of their homes and they're the same people that are yelling crucify him just a couple of days later it's like what have you noticed in what's happening as you've studied this yeah they're they're saying hosanna which you know means lord save us you know this powerful reference from scripture and and then a few days later the crowds turn i think there's a lot i take from that one is that people tend to be fickle and uh you know we tend to be in the moment and so i think it's a good pause for us to examine our own hearts and you know, just, you know, try to make sure that we're not the kind of people that are saying, Lord, you know, save me one day. And then, you know, three days later, we're going our own way and doing our own thing and just kind of moving on, especially coming through the COVID season. One of the things I think about is if the sun is coming up, right, from a COVID standpoint, a lot of people said, Lord, save me last Easter, right? And now here we are at the next Easter. And my question is, once that sort of crisis and need has passed, are we still in that same frame of mind of leaning on God, depending on him every day, or have we now moved on to our own strength and power? But back to the original Palm Sunday, you definitely see that contrast. You could argue that some people's faith was just sort of the faith of the mob. It wasn't really, you know, their individual faith that they were carrying. You could argue that people just are swayed and influenced so much by those around them. But it is a good challenge for all of us to be examining our hearts, right? Yeah, what's so cool about it is you see the grace of Jesus from that. I mean, even Peter denying Jesus, like, I'm not ever going to deny you. You're good. I'm your follower. Cool. Jesus is like, yeah, just wait. You have no idea what's coming. No, no, I know what's coming. You're going to step up and we're going to push the Romans back and we're going to be on top of the world. No, just just wait. Just wait. (laughs) You're going to deny me three times. No, I'll never. One, two, three. 
<laughs> I don't, and isn't this just like us? I mean, we're we're so undependable <laughs> in so many ways as human beings, you know, that it's just a miracle that God would use us, love us, forgive us, care about us at all, and then see us through all those ups and downs. You know, and even Jesus, all those people that are yelling, crucify him, you know, his first words from the cross, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. I mean, so his heart, his bent, his disposition was still to love and forgive, even though we can be such a mess and so fickle and so one way today and another way tomorrow. There's a lot of grace in this story. And that's the part that we don't always see right off the bat. You know, and just the cross itself, Palm Sunday, you know, what's the, I think it's a great reminder for all of us. What is the heart of God towards his people from Genesis to Revelation? What's the heart of God when you read the harshest statements from the prophets in the Old Testament? What's the heart of God when you see judgment being poured out? You know, about the heart of God ultimately is revealed in what Jesus did. And sometimes we lose that perspective. We want to put God in a box of like angry or judgmental or whatever. And we forget like the real heart of God, the overarching point of all of it is the cross, the crucifixion, the resurrection. It's it's Jesus like doing all of this. God so loved the world, you know, that he gave his one and only son. It's an amazing kind of picture that should reframe everything. The way we see God's judgment, the way we see those flashes of anger and some of the prophets in the Old Testament. The, way, uh, the cross is supposed to reframe all of it for us. Talking with Judd Wilhite today from Central Church on SWIS Radio. Obviously, it's been a rough year for a lot of our churches. You know, part of the year we're closed, part of the year we're doing like minimum capacity. We're able to inch that up every month or so. But what's your team been working on for Easter this year, Judd? We're so excited. Easter and even after Easter, we're calling this whole season the comeback. <laughs> and, uh, you know, not that God needs a comeback, but it does feel like our lives are sort of coming back into some semblance of normality. And certainly with Easter, we're uh, excited to pause and to remember all that Jesus did for us on the cross and to celebrate that. And then to anchor into that Easter hope, the resurrection hope, it's just as real as it was last year when everything was shut down, but it just feels very different getting ready for it. I remember last Easter, I stood in our auditorium, like a lot of pastors, we were online, like pretty much all of us were back then. And uh, all the services were online. So they had been pre-recorded. I was up at the church because I just had to be there. But there was so few of us there at the time. I don't think we were, I can't remember if we were actually serving food out of our church building at that time. We were later on the weekends and during the week. But, but I think we were still doing it at different school parking lots and different pop-up sites. I can't remember. But I remember standing there on that Easter Sunday and the auditorium was just empty. And I just, I wept. You know, I just had never, I've been a pastor now, uh, gosh, I don't know, over 30 years, coming up on 30, I guess, yeah, over 30 years, I'm old, you know, never had an Easter like that, never went through Easter kind of in that way, and so uh, it was very emotional, we had some of our staff team there, and we prayed together, but my heart was really heavy, so I'm excited for this Easter, just to be back with the church community and people and be able to celebrate together, even if there's still some restrictions, even if it's not quite like maybe it was in years past, I'm just thankful to be back together. So centralonline.tv has all the different services. If someone's listening, doesn't have a church community they're plugged in with, or has just felt like, hey, I felt disconnected over this last year. And I need to plug in this Easter. Yeah, absolutely. Centralonline.tv or just the Central Church app is out there, has all the things, 
on it. And yeah, if we can share some hope and encouragement with people, we, we would be really honored to do that. It's wild. We look at last Easter, we look at this Easter, and we want to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, right? And we think about Easter a lot of times as like, oh, Jesus died on the cross for my sin. But what we're really celebrating is the resurrection. I mean, that's the Christian difference, isn't it? (laughs) That's the part that's different than any other so-called God or religious leader who taught wise things and had some really philosophical knowledge that makes us think. That's the difference. Jesus actually overcame death. Yes. And that resurrection life is what can dwell within all of us through faith as we grow in our faith. Like it's the power of God and his love working within us. It's new life in us. And it's not just when we die, right? It's not just eternal life in heaven, but that word meaning of eternal life, as you know, Scott, is it comes back to today. It's it's that eternal life that starts now. So, you know, it's that transformative sense of peace and joy and kind of walking in this new life now that changes things for the better, not only through our earthly life, but even beyond. You know, one thing I find fascinating about Palm Sunday is that Jesus chose to ride in on a donkey. I mean, normally you're hearing a story about a king and it's like, man, bring out the stallions, right? Like bring out the big giant horses. He chose to ride in on a donkey. Why do you think that is? Well, it's a picture, right, of servanthood. I think it's a picture of his posture. It's also a contrast to the group of Romans riding into the city on the other side of town with the Roman branding and imagery and the power. And they had the horses and they had the pomp and they had the circumstance. And Jesus comes in as the suffering servant, you know, really uh, setting the tone, I think, for the week and for what he was going to endure and and go through and even setting up a model for all of us to have a servant's heart in how we approach our lives. We're talking to Judd Wilhite on SWS Radio. You might recognize some of his books like Pursued and Uncaged and God of Yes. And Judd's the lead pastor at Central Church. When the pandemic started, oh, about a year ago, just before Easter, you know, churches were closed. And, you know, your churches are like, okay, what are we going to do to serve this city? I mean, we have record unemployment in our area. We're still one of the cities that haven't bounced back as quickly as a lot of other ones. And your church thought, you know what, let's do something different and let's just use our resources and our volunteers since we can't meet in person, but let's feed people. And it's built a ton of momentum over this last year that's still going on today. Yeah, so we just jumped in to partner with our local food bank, Three Square and Feeding America, and to do everything we could to serve our city. So it's been a pretty amazing ride. I remember two days after everything shut down around March 18th, right at about a year ago, we were out there for the very first time, and we set up in a, in a parking lot, a government-sanctioned operation parking lot, but we, we weren't really sure what to do. We, nobody was wearing masks. I mean, this was just pre-everything we've learned over the last season and journeyed through. Yeah, the cars lined up for miles, you know, it was just unlike anything I'd ever seen. And so we've been out there on those front lines ever since. Uh, we're five days a week, 52 plus weeks now, serving food in different school parking lots and doing pop-up food pantries. So most day, and then a couple days at our central church parking lot area at our Henderson location in the Las Vegas area. So most days, even across different locations and in, in different states, we're 
we're out serving food and it's just become a, a critical part of our mission. And while the need has changed and the dynamics changed, it, it hasn't gone away. We're still serving so much more food than we ever did pre-pandemic. And I just think it's going to be a little bit of a journey. So uh, we even sort of brought to the forefront a, an organization called Hope for the City that is uh, really our food relief efforts. And it's kind of on steroids, trying to not only have individuals help us and sponsor us, but try to get some corporate sponsorships and some others to help us you know, continue this effort for the community. So how has it changed the way that your church is seeing our city as so many have been volunteering? I mean, it takes thousands of volunteers to give away like 11 and a half million pounds of food. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gosh. And in the past, I remember it was around seven to 800,000 pounds of food was what we had given out, I believe, in 2019, which was a lot. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that was a lot. That's not a small amount. And I remember early on in the pandemic, I think in that first month, we gave out almost a million pounds of food in a month. That's what we did in a year before, right? So I remember when we first pulled up to the very first food pantry and the line was so long and I just didn't know what the future held and how we were going to get through it. I didn't know how we were going to, you know, it was overwhelming. I was very emotional and I remember just, it was sort of like the loaves and the fishes story in the Bible. I remember kind of saying to, to God, just as a prayer and as a leader and as the one responsible, like, hey, uh, I don't know where the bread's going to come from, God. Like, <laughs> you know, you're going to have to show up. I mean, we'll do it. I'll go out there, but this may be my last act as a pastor. I don't know. Maybe we're going to give out everything we've got. There's nothing left. We close our doors. I didn't know what was going to happen. And so it's been kind of amazing for me to see God honor those simple prayers that we've made in our lives and your listeners have made as individuals to see him honor it at a corporate church scale of take your loaves, take your fishes, take the little bit that you have, give it to God. He'll multiply it. He'll provide. And he has provided every step along the way. I do think it's changed the heart of our church community and our faith community uh, in a really positive way. I just think it's it's brought us together. First of all, I see our central family more like a you know, a pretty tight-knit community anyway, like most pastors would. But certainly when you serve at that level, it, it, everything gets small really fast. Now it's like you're, you're really just a big family showing up. I call it slinging boxes, but that's kind of what we, we've done the last year is just sling a lot of boxes into the backs of cars and serve a lot of food. So it's been a joy, probably the greatest ministry joy that I've, I've had in the last 30 years. And uh, as, as hard as it's been, it's also been a joy. So HopeForTheCity.tv is the website where people can give if they want to help contribute to this or if your family is in need. Yeah, absolutely. Schedule's all on the website. I would say, yeah, please go to HopeForTheCity.tv if we can serve you in any way. We've got food pantries that are still popping up multiple days a week around the cities, and uh, we would love to be able to serve you food. We also have a 24-hour church line. People are using that from all over the world. Uh, if we can pray for or encourage somebody, if you have somebody that needs food delivery and family members, we've done a lot of this. Hundreds and hundreds of people have called and said, hey, I've got a mom close to the church or I've got a friend in this area. Do you know anybody there? And if, if our heart is to serve, if we can serve, we will. And if we can make those connections, we will and uh, make sure people get what they need in this time. It's all at hopeforthecity.tv. 
We're talking about the comeback this week. Oh, Easter is almost here. We're going to be celebrating globally with like 2.5 billion Christians around the world. We're celebrating the resurrection. We're talking with Judd Wilhite from Central Church. He's a best-selling author as well. I'll tell you what, Judd, you know, we think about the empty tomb. and The Apostle Paul had some pretty strong language in his letter to the Corinthians, right? He said, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. <laughs> We're celebrating the resurrection that God stepped into our place. He took the consequence for the terrible things that we've done and our parents and grandparents and great-great-grandparents have done, but he stepped into our place and took the consequence and died for our sins, but he rose from the grave. And that's what makes this whole thing different. Yes, it's the hope, right, of new life and new beginnings and God leading the way in that. And, you know, it's amazing, especially I think this season, it feels like it's just such an important message for all of us to hang on to. I know a lot of people are going to be struggling with mental health challenges. A lot of people are still starting to process what happened last year, right, as they go into this next year. Certainly you read the headlines and you know, you see that there's still a lot of pain and a lot of hurt going on out there in our world. And the hope of the resurrection is still the answer. You know, it's still the, still the hope that grounds everything in our lives. It tells us that this life is valuable. It's important that we can bring some heaven to earth, even now through our faith and our following of Jesus, but that this life isn't all there is. And our hope is anchored also in something far beyond this. And I feel like that message is uh, so powerful and it's joy. It's new beginning. It's, I mean, we ought to experience it powerfully this year as people of faith, because we've been through so much. We've been through the valley this last year. It ought to make this opportunity to celebrate even more significant as it feels like, you know, maybe the darkness of the last year is starting to break up a little bit. This last year, it's been rough on all of us. Maybe some of us feel like we've been forgotten. Maybe we felt like we've been forsaken. And even Jesus says that when he was on the cross. If you really want to dig into the story, we're talking with Judd Wilhite from Central Church. He's a best-selling author. And Judd, when Jesus was dying on the cross, he cries out. One of the last things that he says is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I've had so many people ask about that over the years. It's like, what is Jesus saying there? Is Jesus denying God? Is there something that I don't know about the Jewish story? Like when Jesus is crying out, what is he really saying? Well, yeah, it's a direct quote from a psalm. You know, in one sense, people that would have known their Bibles, their Hebrew Bibles, and been sort of dialed in would have heard this before and would have referenced it and potentially even gone back to it. And it would have informed kind of their understanding of what they were hearing in the moment. But I think he's just acknowledging through that, like, this is part of what's happening to me and part of what I'm going through right now in offering his, his life for us. So it's a throwback to that psalm. The psalm is fascinating because, you know, it actually references Psalm 22, 1, where he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? You know, and it's this reference, but then there's other things in the psalm that I think can give us a lot of a lot of insight. He says, My God, I cry out to you by day, but you do not answer by night, but I find no rest. He talks about I'm scorned by other people, I'm despised by people, all who see me mock me. Pretty fascinating as you read through the psalm, how in many ways Jesus is fulfilling this psalm like a prophecy. And he's fulfilling so much of what the psalm is laying out about 
his experience, about the people surrounding him. So there's a lot here in Psalm 22, and it'd be worth your listeners just to go back and give it a read to get a bigger framework for what Jesus is referring to. I think it's one of the most profound things you can read on Good Friday. Yes, absolutely. It connects so many of the dots of what the Hebrew scriptures were talking about, about the Savior was coming, what you think Jesus is going to be, but who he actually is, his relationship to God the Father. And you're like, I don't understand the Trinity, but this ties this together in such a rich way. Well, yeah, and to realize that God is writing a story that goes back thousands of years, and these are not interconnected pieces. You know, these are, this is a fulfillment of hundreds and thousands of years of prophetic words God's given his people, even prophecies that didn't make sense in the moment, even moments like in Psalm 22, where if you read it in a vacuum, you're like, well, that's weird. That sounds like Jesus. And then you get to Jesus and Jesus is quoting the Psalm. Like, yeah, go back and look. That's exactly what's happening. Every good little Jewish boy and girl that were standing there watching Jesus die on the cross and be like, wait a second. He just quoted David. Is Does that mean, hmm, I need to go back and read my scriptures. <laughs> well, yeah. And just, I mean, the cross was such a horrific thing. I, I think it's fascinating that the early church community didn't really use the cross as a symbol of worship the way we do today. You know, they didn't really put it, wear it on jewelry or you don't really find it until the fourth or fifth century carved in a, in a church door, like 200 years after crucifixion had been made illegal. So this was traumatic. It was shocking. And in fact, when you read through the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know, when they talk about Jesus being crucified, they only describe it in one word. They crucified him. They never elaborate. And I think it's because when crucifixion was happening, it was so intense and so brutal. It only took one word for everybody to know exactly what was going on. You know, there's just some things you don't speak about, right? That's actually, I think, a Taylor Swift lyric. But, you know, like, like there's just some things in life. It's like this song about, you know, suffering and doctors and soldiers. And there's some things that you just don't speak about that you see, right? This was what's happening, I think, in the Gospels with Jesus' crucifixion. They crucified him. That's enough. There's nothing else we need to say to know it was awful. And that's what God went through for us because of his love for us and his mercy towards us. So it took hundreds of years for the church to then embrace the cross as really the primary symbol of God's love. You know, it'd be like, like an electric chair hanging around your neck, right? Or, you know, like whatever, right? A, a noose, you know, whatever, like the way people killed other people and had their own justice and death penalties throughout the centuries. That's what the cross was, you know? Somebody once said, like, if Jesus was shot, would we sing of the blessed 357 Magnum? You know, but only God has the power to take a symbol of execution and murder and turn it into a symbol of love and redemption. That's what he did with the most horrific symbol of murder in history, the cross. He turned it into this symbol of his incredible love for all of us. And I'm just thankful for his radical grace that he has for all of us. And we get second chances and third chances and 27th yeah. chances and we're here today. That is right. In the end, it does come back to that, I think, for all of us. It certainly does for me. You know, I just go back and look at my own life 
and just am so grateful for all the mercy God shows me, not just before I became a follower of Jesus, but every day since. That grace is not just grace for what we might call salvation when we first come to faith. It's grace that sees us through every single day. I need the same grace just as much today as I did in the beginning. Well, we're talking with Judd Wilhite from Central Church. and You can actually find all of their experiences that they're having for Easter and for Palm Sunday all online at centralonline.tv or in the Central app. Thanks for spending some time with us today, Judd. Uh, thank you so much, Scott. Grateful for SOS. Thanks for the opportunity. You're good to go. Thanks for downloading the SOS Radio podcast. If you enjoy the discussion, give it a five-star rating in your app store. The way the technology works, your ratings really help spread the word.